Now, as you are able, would you please remain standing for the reading of the word, which today will be done by Ken. Today's reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from, your, from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, we have a uh, Thanksgiving service coming up in two weeks, and uh, with that, you may have seen one of these give thanks cards on your seat or on the seat next to you. Uh, if you don't have one, that's okay. We have more that are on the tables as you exit. Um, but we would love to hear from you about what are you thankful for this last year. And so as you look back on what God has done this last year, what are you giving thanks for uh, in your own individual life or in the life of our church? What are some things you're giving thanks for? And if you're like, I don't do pen and paper anymore. We're in 2023, Ryan. Uh, I don't want that. Um, there is a QR code up there that you can scan. And we have a form available for you online that you can fill out. You can also go to our website, cccnow.com to find that as well. Uh, but here's the thing, that service is happening in two weeks, so these need to be done by next Sunday. So if you want to take your card home and, and think about it and write or, or do this at home, uh, that's fine. But just make sure it's done by next Sunday because we compile those and, and want to share some of those stories at our Thanksgiving service that following week. So um, you can also drop these cards off in the office if, if you want to do that as well. Uh, that would be, be fine. Um, during that service, we also have a Thanksgiving offering which traditionally has been to pay down the principal on our building loan. We are grateful to God for giving us this space and these buildings and the finances to do ministry. Um, and we would prefer to not have to pay interest, um, but instead to focus our, our money on ministry that God is doing. And so we want to continue to be, um, to be good stewards of the resources we have and pay down that building loan. So 25% of our Thanksgiving offering is going to go towards the building loan and paying that down. And the other 75% is going to help our ministry partners, especially Jews for Jesus, 
who are working with those who have been affected by the war in Israel. And so we just want to make sure that we are reaching out outside of ourselves. God has given us so much that we want to give to others. And so we are excited to do that. That um, can also be done online at cccnow.com, but there'll also be a, a way of designating uh, the offering for that specific moment um, during the Thanksgiving service in, in two weeks. And the last thing I want to let you know before we dive into the word is that today at the end of service, we're going to have an update from our, our Presbytery clerk, Mark Eshoff, who is here to give us an update on uh, our senior pastor search and, and what's happening with all of that. So um, don't run away right after communion is done. I know some people like to get out before the last song to beat traffic, I guess. Um, but uh, you're going to want to stick around if you want to hear about what's going on in the life of Christ Community Church. <clears throat> so I have, a, I have a friend who in college, he got into a big argument with his family, with his parents. Um, he, he came from wealth, was very blessed by his parents. But when he turned 18, he thought things were going to change and shift um, so that he would have just all the freedom he wanted. And his parents said, hey, you're still living in our house. So we still have some rules, still had a curfew, still had a few things that they expected of him, expected him to participate around the house. And he got to a point where, where they, they got into this argument about this, and he said, you know what, I'm, I'm done, I'm ready to leave, I'm gonna move down to Southern California, I'll just go down to school in there. Um, and, and so he asked for uh, the resources that they had for him. So they had a college fund set aside that would cover all four years of school. They had a, a fund to buy a house, actually, after he was done with school, um, to help him with that process. And, and they had a retirement fund set up for him as well. And, and so he said, hey, I would like all of these things um, as, as I head off. And there was a big, again, conversation. And ultimately they decided, you know what? Uh, we love our son. This was meant for him. And so we're gonna give that to him. Well, he did what a lot of good college students would do. And he uh, went and, and blew through that very quickly, uh, ignored his studies. And so kind of got to a point a few years later where he was out of school uh, looking for a job. No one would hire him and didn't know what to do. So he was kind of going from couch to couch and staying with people. And finally he heard about a, uh, a job at a farm, actually. And so he went and he got a job at this farm and he was helping to feed the animals. And um, things were so low for him at one point that he actually began to eat the stuff that he was feeding to the animals. And, and, and it was at that moment, that low point, that he kind of realized, you know what? My dad has this big company. He has low-level employees that make a livable wage. Maybe I can go and maybe he'll show a little bit of compassion and he'll just allow me to work as a low-level employee. And so he got this speech ready in his mind and his heart and he headed back home. And the rest of the story is in Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> it's a very old friend of mine. <clears throat> this is not gonna be on the screen because this is something that I was just reflecting on the last couple days um, after I'd sent my notes in and we'd prepared the slides. But I wanna just read this for you. It says in Luke chapter 15, verse 20. So he, the son, got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. 
And I love this passage and I love this story because it's just such a beautiful picture of God's love. It's an amazing example of God's grace that where the son deserved punishment, he deserved judgment, he deserved justice for what he had done to the father. The father wraps his arms around his son and demonstrates love and says, you are, you're not coming back as a servant, you're coming back as a son. This is God's grace on display. And this is one of the keys to what we believe as Christians is understanding God's grace for us. This is one of the, the basic foundations of our faith. Now, Tuesday, we had a Fall Fun Fest here and it was actually a celebration of Reformation Day. I know some of you might be confused and you're like, no, we were celebrating, it was, it's Halloween, right? But no, we just celebrate Reformation Day. Um, I'm the only one who knows that, but that's what that celebration was all about. Uh, but it, it is Reformation Day on October 31st because in 1517, October 31st, that was the day that Martin Luther pinned his 95 theses to the door and, and said, hey, things need to change. And what happened is many people, many others begin to see this and hear about this and say, yeah, there's some things in the church that are happening that are not right. Like we've added a whole bunch of stuff to what it means to be a Christian that we need to, to strip away and we need to get back to the core. We need to get back to the basics of what we believe of what it means to be a Christian. And so out of the Reformation came these five solas that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And so we started week one by talking about scripture alone, that the Bible is our authority for life for the church because it is God's word. And so there's nothing that is equal to or above the word of God. And then we talked about Christ alone, how our, 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 our belief is based on Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished, what he has done. And so we wanna keep our eyes focused on Jesus like we just sang about. We wanna turn our eyes to him over and over and over again because Jesus should be the center of our hearts, the center of our lives and the center of our church, the head of our church. And then we talked about faith alone last week and we were asking the question, what saves us? What makes us right with God? And it is faith alone that justifies, that makes us right with God. Not a faith that is alone, because we know that faith will produce good fruit, but faith alone is what our salvation is based on. And all of this is possible because of God's grace. And so we're getting into the fourth sola, which today is sola gratia, which means grace alone. There's God's grace alone that sent Jesus to offer us salvation through faith. It is God's grace that allows us to have faith. And so what I want us to understand today is that we have life, we have existence, we have potentially have eternity to look forward to and salvation to look forward to, not because of who we are, but because of who God is, because God is a gracious God. And because of his grace, we have been offered that which we don't deserve. And so let's dive into Ephesians chapter two because it speaks to this idea of God's grace. Now we're gonna go a little out of order here. I'm gonna start in verse four. And it says this, it says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we're dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And so verses four and five, they, they focus our hearts on what this is all about. That when we start talking about God's grace, our eyes should be focused on God that this should help us to understand who God is, that this should lead us to a place of worship of God, of glorifying God, that it takes the focus off of ourselves, off of the things of this world, and it focuses us again on God. 
It is God who is rich in mercy, whose great love is demonstrated to us. And so the first thing I want us to hear today is that God's grace is an act of his love and power. God's grace is an act of his love and power. It tells us right there that it's because of his great love that God saved us. And so we'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment, but, but what we are deserving of is condemnation. What we are deserving of is judgment because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But God in his love wants to bring us into relationship with him. I remember a time when I was younger and my, um, I was jumping on the couch at home and my dad came in and said, Ryan, you are not allowed to jump on the couch. And if you do that again, you're gonna be in big trouble. And he goes into the other room. And of course, I immediately listened to what he said. I know some of you were thinking I didn't. Um, but then a moment later, I forgot what he said and I started jumping on the couch again. And so I started jumping on the couch and this time I, I fell off the couch and I fell and, and I slammed my knee against the wall or the couch. I don't remember which one it was, but I just remember hurting my knee really badly. And, and so I'm in tears trying to cry silently because I'm afraid that if my dad comes in, he's gonna yell and get mad at me and I'm gonna be in trouble because I did what he told me not to do. And so I'm hurt and I'm worried about getting in trouble because I broke the rules and I did this to myself and I just don't know what to do. And so my brother, he runs off and, and ignores my, my cries to, to stay there. And he goes and gets my dad and my dad comes in and he sees me and he picks me up and he holds me close for a minute. And then he sits me down and he says, you know, okay, what hurts? How'd you do it? And, and he gets me ice and he takes care of me. And afterwards he's explained, hey, this is, this is why we have these rules so that, that you can be safe. I don't want you to get hurt. And in that moment, it was an act of his grace because realistically he, he could have and maybe he should have come in and said, hey, Ryan, you broke the rules. You're grounded. Hop up to your room and, and, and just wait there for me because this is what you get for, for breaking the rules. But no, instead he demonstrated his love, a father's love to his son. And this is what God's grace does. It is God's love that he wants to demonstrate to us. And so he offers us grace and mercy because that's who he is. <clears throat> but this isn't just an act of his love, but also of his power. It tells us in verse five, it says that we were dead in transgressions and yet we were made alive in Christ. And so God can offer life <clears throat> to us which is only an act of God that this is possible. Only through the power of God can we receive life. <clears throat> I mean, you think about what God can do, right? In, in Genesis, in the creation story, God creates life out of nothing. He speaks and the universe comes into, into place. He takes the dust of the earth and he picks it up and he, he forms the man and, and he breathes life into his lungs. And so God can make life out of nothing, but God can also bring life out of death. It says we were dead in transgressions, but you think about the story of Jesus' friend, Lazarus, who had died and, and was in the tomb for four days when Jesus showed up. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come out of that tomb. And in doing so, he spoke life into Lazarus. And from that which was dead, it became alive again because of the work of God. And so God's grace is an act of his love and power. And this is absolutely necessary because when we look at who we are or who we were before Christ, it tells us in verse four, it says that we were dead in our transgressions, but it really emphasizes this in the first three verses. So chapter two, verse one, it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, 
the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And so this is who we are or who we were before Christ. That when left on our own, we are dead in our sins and our, trans, and our transgressions. We are people deserving of wrath. Now you might be in here, maybe you're watching online and, and, and you're just visiting and, and you're in here saying, wait, wait, Ryan, you're telling me that because I haven't put my trust in Jesus, because I, I don't wanna believe in this whole thing right now, you're telling me that I'm, I'm dead in sins and transgressions, that I'm deserving of wrath? Well, I'm not telling you that, the Bible is telling you that. But yes, that's what scripture is saying. But I would also say that you're not alone in that. That all of us were deserving of wrath. That all of us were dead in our sins and transgressions before Christ came and did a work in our hearts. That's why the next few verses tell us that God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we are dead in transgressions, by grace you have been saved. And so the second thing I want us to hear about grace is that God's grace saves us from our sin. God's grace saves us from our sin. And really it saves us from what we deserve because of our sin. That scripture is clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it tells us the wages of sin, the cost of sin is death. That's what we deserve. But God has saved us from our sin through the gift of his son, Jesus. See, Jesus lived a perfect life and was not deserving of death. He's the only person in the history of the world who is deserving of life. But he willingly laid down his life for us, the perfect sacrifice, so that through his body on the cross, through his blood shed, our sins could be washed away. And they are dead and gone and buried at the foot of the cross. And so for those who put their trust in Jesus, we know that we've received God's grace and we've received forgiveness of our sins, salvation from what we deserved. We've been brought from death to life. And that's the second part that Ephesians keeps going on is not just what we are saved from, but it tells us this in verse six. The grace has saved us from our sins. And then in verse six, it says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And so what this is saying is that we have already received forgiveness for our sins, which we didn't deserve. But here it's saying that God wants to actually pour out more of his goodness, more of his grace on us. And so he offers us eternity an eternal life with him. And in eternity, God will pour out more of his grace and more of his love over and over and over again to us. We will experience the full measure of God's grace. And so yes, God's grace gives us salvation from our sins. It saves us from our sins, but God's grace also gives us life. God's grace gives us life, a new life, one that is different from what we experience here in this broken world. Jesus said, I came to give them life and life to the full. And so we can experience new life here on this earth through Christ, but we also know that we have new and eternal life to look forward to in heaven. This is unlike anything we've experienced here. 
I mean, our very best day is nothing compared to our worst day in eternity. And so this is what we have to look forward to from God's grace. That we have been, that we will be raised up and seated in eternity with God. And I love the language that is used here, but I love the language that Jesus uses in the book of John. He says, he says I'm going away. And, and, and his disciples were a little bit worried about that. He says, no, 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 this is a good thing because I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And, and if I go away to prepare a place for you, you can be assured that I'm coming again to bring you home. And the language that we see in scripture is, is very intimate language. God uses wedding language and he uses adoption language. He uses wedding language to say that we are the bride of Christ. And so when Jesus said, hey, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, there probably would have been images of, of a husband and a wife because at that time, the, the couple would get engaged and the groom would go away for a while to literally prepare a place for his, him and his bride to live in. And so when Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, they would have known this is just like the groom who's going to prepare a place and will come back for his bride to bring her home so they can live their life together. There's also adoption language in scripture. It says that we are adopted into the family of God. We become sons and daughters of the most high king. And I know for myself, my wife and I, we were uh, trying to adopt for a while and uh, we actually even fostered a little girl for, for, for just about a month. But in that process, as you try and, and get ready to prepare to welcome a child into your home, you have to prepare a place for them. And when you're trying to adopt or foster, you have all these people come into your house and they check out your house and they go through the rooms and they make sure everything is safe and everything is ready. And they say, hey, here's a list of things that, that, that you need to do that, you know, to, to get this place fully ready that aren't safe, that aren't there yet to make sure that you are ready for this child. And so when it tells us that Jesus is, is going to bring us up to the heavenly realms, we understand that, that this isn't unintentional. This isn't by accident. He's not gonna be surprised when we get there. He's like, oh yeah, I got your place prepared for you. My son, my daughter, my bride, I've prepared a spot for you. God's grace gives us life. And I want us to understand this, that God's grace is a gift. That we don't deserve this life. We haven't earned it. What we in our actions and our mindset and our hearts and our attitudes, what we deserve is God's wrath, is God's judgment but God is gracious to us. And in his love and his mercy, he offers us a gift, a gift that he paid for through his son, Jesus Christ. It is his perfect life that offers us life. It was his death that offers us salvation from our sins. It's not what we do. It's about what has been done for us. And Ephesians 2, eight and nine lay this out so perfectly. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. He says, it is a gift. And it's not about what you do because you don't get to boast and brag about this one. I used to be a very competitive person. I'm still a little bit competitive, but some of that competitive edge has worn off over the years. And because of my competitive nature, I like, to, uh, I, I like to boast about my accomplishments, right? I like to know that I did something, that I accomplished something, 
that I played a role in, in the team's success or in the success of others. And, and sometimes I take it maybe a little too far. You know, I just started my, my 10th year of coaching soccer over at Whitney High School in Rockland. And, uh, and I get to coach the freshman team, which of course I take credit for all of my freshman team wins because it's great coaching that leads to wins every single time. Um, but I even go so far as to take credit for like all the varsity team wins because, you know, I coached those players or some of those players three years ago. And clearly I instilled the discipline, the hard work and the, you know, soccer talent in them in my one year of coaching, not the other like 18 years they had of coaching and soccer training before. It's all because of me, right? And so I like taking credit for things. And so what, what scripture is telling us is that you don't get to do that with your faith. You, you don't get to do that in relationship with Christ. We as Christians don't get to walk around being like, hey, look at how great I am. Look at how amazing and wonderful I am that, that I chose to follow God. I mean, I'm so much better than all those heathens out there. Like I, I've done this amazing work and God is so lucky to have me. No, scripture says it is God's gift to you. It's not by works so that no one can boast. Grace is a gift given freely to you and I, to those who would put their trust in Jesus Christ. There's an interesting way that this section wraps up here in verse 10. It says in verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so here in verse 10, we have this contrast with verse nine, where in verse nine it's saying, hey, you have been given this gift. It's not by works so that no one can boast. And then verse 10 says, and you have been created to do good works. And so it's an interesting way of wrapping up this section where it's been all about God and his grace and his gifts to us. And then it says, and now you are to do good works. And so here's what I want us to understand, that what this is saying is that through God's grace, not only have we been saved from sin, not only do we have life, and we understand that this is a gift that's been given to us, but it's a gift that's meant to be shared. And God's grace actually allows us to do the good work of sharing the gospel message with those around us. Apart from God, this isn't possible. But with God, we have the ability to do something that can make an eternal difference. See, God's grace gives us a purpose. It gives us a purpose in life. And that purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This is what we live for. This is what we're all about. And because of God's grace, we have received life and we've been given a gift that now we get to share with others. And so many people walk around in life and they just feel purposeless. They don't know what they're doing. They don't feel like they belong. I remember this time my, my dad, he wanted to, um, he wanted to start trying to flip houses and, and he uh, had met some people who were interested in the same thing. And so they decided, to let, hey, let's have a meeting. Let's get together and let's talk about if this is possible and, and, and what we'll do and how we'll do it. And so my dad invited me to come to this meeting and said, hey, you know, this might be something that, that you can be a part of too. We can do this together. And I thought, that's, that's great. Um, and, and so I show up to this meeting and, uh, you know, and, and we're sitting around this big conference table and people start going around and they're introducing themselves and they're talking about what they do. 
And, and, and I start to feel smaller and smaller and smaller because you're going around and my dad has, uh, he, he's been in the roofing industry for a long time. And so he's like, you know, I have roofing experience and some construction experience that, that I can provide. And there's a realtor there. There's a brokerage person there. There's, you know, someone who's like, hey, I'm really wealthy and I'm gonna finance this project for you guys. Um, there's other construction people and, and all these people who are saying, hey, here's what I'm bringing to the table. And finally, someone looks at me and, and they say, Ryan, what do you have to offer? What are you bringing to the table? Why are you here? And in that space, I just kind of shrunk and thought, I have a pretty face. Does that help? I, and I realized I don't have a purpose in this room. I don't belong here. There's no place for me. And that's one of the most defeating feelings to feel like I don't belong. I don't have purpose in life. And God says, you are his handiwork. You're his masterpiece created to do good works, to be a light for Jesus, to not boast about your works. Because when it says good works, it's, it's not talking about how much money we make. It's not talking about how popular we are. It's not talking about how famous we are. It's not talking about how good our lawn looks in comparison to our neighbors, right? This is talking about good works of proclaiming the gospel message of making an eternal impact in people's lives. And we've been given a purpose. We're given value through God. We are his handiwork, his masterpiece, created to do good works, to proclaim the gospel message. And so we don't boast about our works, but we boast about the work of God. We don't boast about ourselves, but we boast about Jesus Christ. This is what we were created to do. And so let's pause for just a moment and reflect on that grace one more time. Because I know for many in this room, you've put your trust in Jesus Christ. You've already been saved from your sins and into life. And my encouragement to you is to rest in that grace, to sit in passages like Ephesians chapter two, and just remind yourself over and over and over again of the grace and the goodness of God. To turn your hearts toward gratitude and praise and worship of him. I mean, really, every Sunday morning, you should read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 and prepare your heart to come into this space, to come into worship. So that when the band starts playing, it's not like, hey, I need a few minutes to warm up and to embrace and, and realize that God's presence is here. But as I come in here ready to celebrate, ready to celebrate all that God has done. But I'm sure there are some in the room today who maybe you've been coming to church for a long time or maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you're watching online and you just happen to find this, this YouTube channel. I don't know how you would be confused by Christ Community Church, but hey, maybe you found it anyways and you've never received God's grace. And let me just speak to you for a minute. The Bible states clearly that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says we're dead in our sins and our transgressions, that we are people deserving of wrath, that apart from God, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. But God is so rich in love and mercy and grace that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life that we couldn't live on our own. 
so that when he died on the cross, it would be the sacrifice that was necessary to pay our debt. And Jesus willingly laid down his life. Jesus, the son of God, who is fully God and fully man, who lived a perfect life and deserved life, willingly died a gruesome death on the cross. They put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. They put a crown of thorns on his head. And this was after he had been whipped, beaten, mocked and scorned. And he did all this willingly because he knew that by receiving the wrath of God on himself, he could turn it away from us. And so when we put our trust in Jesus, our sins are dead and gone and buried at the foot of the cross. They are washed away by his blood. And through his resurrection and his ascension, we've received life, life eternally, life to the full, life with God in heaven. There's a place for us in heaven that God himself has prepared for us, for those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. And so the Bible clearly says that God so loved the world, they so loved you and I, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's grace is sufficient to save. He offers us faith, he offers us life, he offers us his son so that we can receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life through him. And so in Romans, it tells us that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And maybe right now, and I'm hoping and I'm praying that right now that God is stirring in the hearts of some people in this room or people who are watching online, that God is speaking to you and that belief part has already kicked in. And you're saying, yeah, I can, I can acknowledge that I've sinned. I can acknowledge that I definitely have not been obedient to God. And I believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he's fully God, fully man, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross and he rose again. And I wanna receive life through him and I wanna put my trust in him. So the next part of that would be that confession part. And this is what we're gonna take a moment to do right now. We're gonna pray a prayer and there's nothing magical about the words that we're about to pray. You'll see the words on the screen in just a moment or they might be even in your bulletin. Really, it's just about going before God and saying, God, I, I admit that I've sinned and I've failed and, and I believe that you've paid that price for me through the gift of your son, Jesus. And, and I wanna put my trust in you. But we're gonna pray this prayer together and, and this is kind of an act of confession. Um, but I would encourage you to take a, a follow-up step as well. And so if, if today is the day where you put your trust in Jesus Christ for the very first time, um, I wanna encourage you, first of all, if you came with someone, make sure that you tell that person and that person's gonna help lovingly walk you through maybe what some next steps are or having conversations about how we can grow in our relationship with Christ. But also come up to the prayer banner at the end of service and our prayer team would love to celebrate with you and pray with you um, as you enter into this new life in your relationship with God. And if you want, send me an email, ryan at cccnow.com, because I would love to celebrate with you and maybe point you towards some, uh, some next steps as well. Um, ryan at cccnow.com, you can find that online, um, but would love to celebrate with you. So let's pray this prayer together and then we get to receive communion, which is just such a perfect way to wrap up as we talk about God's grace. So let's all pray this together. We'll pray this out loud for those who believe in Christ and those who are putting their trust in Christ for the first time. Say these words with me. Dear Jesus, Thank you for loving me, even when I've ignored you and gone my own way. I realize that I need you in my life 
and I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. As much as I know how, with your help, through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I want to follow you from now on. Please come into my life and make me a new person inside. I accept your gift of salvation. Help me to grow as a Christian, to become a fully committed follower of you, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, I just wanna say congratulations. We believe that is absolutely the best decision that you will ever make with your life. And you can be assured that you have forgiveness of sins and life with God for all of eternity to look forward to. And so as we gather together on the first Sunday of every month, we receive communion. And it's a perfect example of God's grace. As a matter of fact, I think this is why God gave us this sacrament. It's a sign and a seal of what God has done for us. And on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and upon giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And so when we come to the table, we remember what Christ has done for us, that it was his sacrifice that covers our sins, his blood that washes us white as snow. We remember that we simply get to receive from what God has done for us in his grace and his mercy and his love. And so we come with hearts of gratitude and thanksgiving, with hearts of praise and worship, humbly to receive from God. And so this is a time where we come to be filled, not physically, but spiritually, to go and do the good works that God has called us to do. We recognize that we need the work of the spirit in our life. And we are grateful that he fills us up and that he meets us where we're at so that we can receive his grace and share his grace with others. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray and then we can stand up and, and receive communion. And, and just to make this as easy as possible, if you would exit out on your left-hand side um, and, and then you'll receive the elements on your left-hand side of the aisle and then enter back on the aisle on your right-hand side on, on the other side of the aisle, that's just gonna help the flow of traffic. If you cannot get up to receive communion, uh, we have people who will be walking around, just stay in your seat and we have people who will come and uh, serve you. We also have a gluten-free option on the back table uh, back there. And, and finally, I just wanna remind us that this is for those who call themselves followers of Christ, who have received that gift of, of Jesus Christ and put their trust in him. The Bible clearly states that, that we need to take this with respect and do this in the right way. And that means it's a time for believers. And so if you are in here and, and you are new to Christ Community Church, you are exploring the faith, praise God, we are glad that you are here. Uh, but this time it is not for you. No one's gonna judge you if you stay in your seat or anything like that. This is for the, the fellowship of believers to come together and have fellowship and communion with one another and with Christ. So let me pray for us and we will receive the elements together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your love, for your amazing grace that saves us from our sins and offers us life. God, we don't deserve it and we can't earn it and you freely give it to us anyways. So God, we give you thanks for the gift of your son, Jesus. God, we give you thanks for this time where we can gather together as your people from all different types of backgrounds and experiences and histories, that when we come to the table, we are all your children, sons and daughters of yours. God, thank you for those new believers who just put their trust in you for the very first time. Would you just be extra gracious to them as they receive communion? 
as a follower of you for the very first time. And God, for those who are still exploring and not there yet, would you continue to work in their heart? But God, would you meet us here? Would you be present here with us as we receive the elements? We thank you, Father. We love you and we praise things in your son's name.